everyone. Welcome to another episode of Random Fit. I am Wendy Batts, and I'm here today with Ken Miller. Ken, how are you? I'm awesome, Wendy. How you doing? Oh, you know, just living a dream. Of course. You know, it doesn't get much better. I get to hang out with you. It's a beautiful day outside. My kid's off of school. You know, life is good. <laughs> That's right. I can check those same boxes off, too. So. Well, well there you have it. All right. Well, <laughs> yep. we got some incredible feedback with... Um, Kat Bearfield, one of our uh, NASM Nutrition Master Instructors, as well as she's a VP of Dot or at DotFit for Nutrition Services. And she is going to be joining us today because with the feedback we got about the keto diet, we then got some great questions about intermittent fasting. So we are bringing Kat back today. Super excited to have her join us this episode so she can fill us in on all of her knowledge and put us in the know when it comes to intermittent fasting. So Kat, thanks for being here. It's always a pleasure to join you guys, especially on a Friday, right? Yes, <laughs> always, always good. So, <laughs> um, so Kat, I'm gonna go ahead and ask the first question, which is the number one question about our podcast. So can you tell us what is intermittent fasting? Okay, so there's two ways to look at it. What most people think intermittent fasting is, is really what's called time-restricted eating. So when you think about like diets, and especially in regards to weight loss, most of the diets that are out there are about what to eat. When it comes to fasting, it's about when to eat, right? So let's just break it down. So uh, there is something called um, whole day fasting, where you fast for an entire day. Right. And the most common thing that people that you see in the research is alternate day fasting. And then there's periodic fasting, like you might have heard of the 5 2 diet, which is you pick two days during the week that you would not eat. You would abstain or you would eat very little. And then there's time restricted eating, or what most people think intermittent fasting, fasting is, which is every day you only eat within a certain window. And the most common window we see is this an eight hour window. And that would then be complemented with a 16-hour fast of no eating. Oh, you know, that's simple. You know, thanks. You know, and there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. We appreciate you guys joining us today. <laughs> I have to answer the question accurately, right? Like most, what most people think intermittent fasting is, is not, you know, not eating within a certain time frame every single day. But there are other definitions um, and other types of fasting out there. That was the main point. <laughs> So, so cat, I mean, it, so it does go beyond just after you put your dinner plate away and, and, uh, you've, you've, you've eaten your dessert and then that's your eight o'clock and all right, the next time I'll uh, visit the kitchen table is going to be at breakfast. So it's more than just, okay, dinner done. All right. I'll see you at breakfast. That's it. I mean, as far as the, to put it at its simplest, right. Absolutely. And, and <laughs> right. So that so then what is the most common that we see is this eight hour fast window typically, you know, um, is between, you know, 12 and let's say eight or 11 and seven. So there are a lot of people, you know, they don't they're not hungry in the morning. They don't eat breakfast. So it sort of fits in their lifestyle of, OK, I'll start eating at 12 and then I'll stop eating at eight. And what the research shows is that when people restrict their window of eating, to eight hours or less, that it will spontaneously reduce caloric intake. And so what do you think happens as a result of that? We lose weight. Yes. Yes. 
Well, let me yeah. ask you, so maybe you can kind of break this myth. And I know we kind of discussed this on other podcasts that we've done with you, but just because of this topic specifically, I know a lot of my clients, when we talk about it, they will first say, well, I need to eat the first thing in the morning because that's what starts my metabolism for the day. So are we saying that if we, you know, is there truth to that? And I mean, I, I know the answer to this, but I think you're going to say it way better than I will. And can you, how do we go about that? Is it better to fast in the morning or start early and then stop later on, you know, like at four o'clock and not go till the seven or eight o'clock hour? Or does it matter? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The main thing is that you shorten your eating window and that reduces your caloric intake. And the whole idea of starting your metabolism is a bit of a myth, because if you think about it, our metabolism runs all the reactions in our body, breathing, thinking, moving, digestion, that never, ever stops, ever. <laughs> so it all, it's always going. Well, it can stop. It's just you won't. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> you will be alive, right? <laughs> right. So, Kat, let's just say somebody's listening to this podcast. You know, they're listening to you know from beginning to end, and they are just so curious, and they they have some some body composition goals, or they want to change the way they feel. Is there a way that somebody can, like, say, you know, if somebody's a snacker, or they they do like to eat breakfast, and they you know, and then just socially or work schedule dictates that you know they can they have to eat later. And is there a way to kind of transition or somebody that's interested in doing this, that they can actually transition to, you know, modifying when they eat and, and how they might incorporate this into their, uh, into their meal plan. Yeah. So I would say you, you know, we talk about behavior and making behavior changes, right? And so the easier you make something, the more likely it is that they'll make it a behavior or a habit. So I would say, look at your routine and pick the eating window that most fits your routine, as opposed to trying to, you know, make a major change. Like normally if you've eaten breakfast all your life and you want to start fasting and then you're going to not, you know, you're going to have your eating window start at 12 PM. Well, you're probably going to have some resistance to that. It's not going to fit your lifestyle. So once again, to Wendy's point and her question is, it really doesn't matter for the most part in terms of weight loss and body composition when that window is, as long as it's shortened and it, it obviously creates a caloric deficit. Hmm. Okay. Who knew? And those of you guys that are just joining us today, Ken Miller and I on Random Fit have our special guest, Miss Kat Bearfield, and we are talking about intermittent fasting. And so my next question to you, Kat, is someone like myself mm -hmm. loves coffee. Like I am a coffee drinker. First thing in the morning, gotta have it. I don't know. I think it's just more of a habit. It's not like you know, I'll go into like get a headache. I don't, I'm not that kind of person when it comes to like, I must have my coffee. It's just, that's what starts my day and gets me going. However, with that being said, I am also a coffee drinker with creamer. Like I have to have creamer. So at that point I have killed my fasting, right? So what is it, what can you have in the windows that you're not supposed to eat? Is it just water or is there any other, is there anything else or is it literally just water? So when you look at the research and you look at the studies on fasting, um, the fasting period is defined as no calorie intake. So you can have black coffee without the creamer, water, or anything calorie-free. Mm. It's really so no fun. 
Yeah, you know, and black coffee, you know, might take a little second to your for your palate to <laughs> get you. Sweet kind of girl, Kat. I don't know if you know this. I'm a delicate flower, and I'm a very sweet individual. So yeah, that probably won't happen. And that's just I can go without food, just not without my coffee and creamer. Right. So so in that case, you and you, you know, you might have to make your fasting window start earlier and end earlier, right? Because four a.m., five a.m. ish. Great. Yeah. Yeah. But then you got to think, okay, if my fast ends at 2 p.m., I'm not going to be able to eat dinner with my family. Not going to work, right? Probably not. No. Right. May not be the diet for me. <laughs> may not may not be the method for you. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so Kat, so when we're talking about this as a, as a, as a plan or, or how you might modify your, your routine and your behaviors to accommodate your eating schedule, what, what will somebody get out of this from a, from a health perspective? So we know that if we, restrict the window in which you eat. Therefore, maybe you eliminate some of the snacks that you might have late night or like with Wendy, you have that creamer in your coffee. So you're restricting calories that way. But what are some of the what's what's in it for me? If I say, okay, I'm not eating between this time and this time, but what's what's my body to expect by by doing this? Well, so as you know, anytime you lose body fat, especially if you are overweight or obese, there are benefits, health benefits that improve, whether that be um, lipids, blood pressure, blood glucose, insulin, things like that. So those are all the benefits that come along with anything that restricts your calories, including fasting. Now, there is some data that, um, you know, there might be some other benefits to fasting. You know, you hear the term autophagy or cellular cleaning and things like that. And, and that's not a large body of evidence. It's mostly in animals. Um, there's some um, evidence that it might be helpful with um, certain autoimmune diseases, particularly called something called the fasting mimicking diet. But that, that data is not uh, robust yet, so to speak. So... At this point in time, I would say intermittent fasting is going to, you know, get you to calorie deficit to help you lose weight, and you're going to get all the benefits of that come along with weight loss, in, including improved health markers. Nice. <laughs> and yeah. So w when you when you're talking about all these benefits, Kat, I mean, if somebody is trying to, you know, they have a goal, they want to lose weight, or they have a specific, you know, body composition they have in mind, even if they want to, you know, build muscle, mm -hmm. would this diet be appropriate for someone? Or I shouldn't even really call it a diet, but this, you know, new lifestyle of eating, would it be detrimental? Is it something that could be beneficial? Because yes, as you said, when you lack calories, you're obviously, you know, there's, there could be weight loss, as you were talking about. But what about somebody that wants to gain muscle and size and, and are, you know, high in performance. Yeah. So, you know, the energy balance principles remain. So if somebody wants to put on muscle, then the more important, most important things for them would be to, you know, get into a caloric surplus, eat sufficient amounts of protein, and then follow a structured evidence-based resistance training program for muscular development. So if they're going to fast, then they're going to have to meet those requirements within that fasting window. Right. And so when you look at the studies around resistance training and fasting, typically all the, the, the people that are fasting eat within the fasting window. In other words, they're not training in a fasted state. They meet their calorie requirements and they meet their protein requirements. So, yeah, they can do that, but they still got to follow the same principles as if they were not fasting. Now, if if I'm if I'm a morning workout person, so if we're talking about, OK, 
I want to put on some muscle. I want to burn some fat. So my workouts have to, you know, contribute to some lean body mass gain again with those, um, you know, energy balance principles that you're talking about here, Kat. But if I'm restricting those, those, uh, those times that I can eat, but the time I want to work out and I want to, you know, squat as much as I can bench and, you know, jump as high as I can, what can I expect if, you know, if I'm considering calorie restriction or if I'm coming off of that window of not eating, right? Um, is there, have you seen anything or have you had any experience with performance, actually resistance training or with power yeah. or anything like that when it comes to the workouts? Well, you guys have probably experienced that too, you know, with guys that come in and they want to train and they haven't eaten in a while and they start to hit the wall right? They start to have symptoms of low blood sugar, whether that's getting dizzy, a headache, they can't concentrate, perform, or their energy levels just suffer. So, so that would be the case, right? So your glycogen levels, which is, you know, your carbohydrate stores in your muscle and your, and your liver, namely, you know, those can be depleted, you know, in about a 24 hour period. So if you're going to train intensely, right, your main fuel source is going to be your, your glycogen stores, and if you're in a semi-depleted state because you've fasted, then you're not going to have as much fuel in the tank, so to speak. So once again, when you look at the research around, you know, resistance training and fasting, you know, all of it, to my knowledge at this point, is when the subjects eat within that eating window. So they're fueling up. They're still following basic sports nutrition principles of pre-exercise fueling, post-exercise replenishing. I don't think there's a study yet that compares training in the fasted state versus training in the fed state, you know, while fasting. You know, that I think that is yet to be determined. I think the, you know, sports nutrition principles um, are going to hold true. <laughs> you got to have fuel in the tank to train hard. Otherwise, your performance is going to suffer, especially high intensity exercise. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, so if, okay. we're, if we're talking about training then, talking about behaviors, then we, you know, if we were guiding our clients through this or even ourselves, then we might say, okay, change when you work out or how you work out when you are within that window or outside of that window. Or so you're moving either that window, like you and Wendy were talking about before. So you move when you're eating or you move when you're working out to complement when you can eat before, make sure those glycogen stores are filled. And when you know, knowing your body, how you might know it as a, as a exerciser, you might have to flex both things with when you eat and when you work out. Yeah, pretty much. You're trying to make it easy as possible for them to adopt the lifestyle. And so if you can make it match up with their training schedules, then it's going to be easier for them to stick to. Right. And we've always said in the past, consistency is key. Sweet. And we are talking today with registered dietitian, master instructor, VP of nutrition services from DotFitness, Kat Bearfield. And we're talking about intermittent fasting on random fit. And she's given us some great information, great information so far uh, regarding windows and the benefits. But, I, you know, going back to your first beginning definition, when you were telling us there's different ways of looking at intermittent fasting, of course, we're talking about it on a daily, you know, on a daily basis if we're just shortening our window, but how do you honestly feel about the fasts 
that happen days at a time. So, you know, I have some clients that are like, oh, I've been drinking this juicing thing. And then now it's telling me not to eat for 28, 48 hours. And then I go back to it and I've cleansed my system and I'm starting over. Um, is there some truth to that? Is that kind of a myth as well? Or how does your body react with that long of a period without fuel? Yeah, good question. Well, let me answer the first part. And that is like the cold cleansing part. That, that is a bit of a myth. You know, your body does have a detoxification system in your liver and your organs and your skin and things like that. So we don't necessarily need to detox unless we're in a, you know, intoxicated state, whether that be too much alcohol, whether that be too much lead in your system, you know, any anything like that. So that's a bit of a, a myth and a, and a marketing aspect to sell products, if you will. Um, now in terms of how the body reacts in a fasted state, well, the human system is designed to primarily one, number one, survive, right. As its first priority. So if you think about, you know, the eons that we've been roaming the planet, there were a lot of times where our ancestors did, couldn't find food, right? So the, the human system had to evolve as a way to adapt and survive to propagate the species. So what does the body do when it can't find food? Well, then it shifts fuel sources. So we have all these fat stores. If you're not consuming food, then the body relies on your fat stores and your muscle stores to then break down and then use it to create ATP to continue to fuel our to fuel our metabolism. And so, as you can imagine, if you don't, if it's a prolonged fast, more than several days, then your body will just continue to break down until you obviously, you know, can't it can't survive anymore without without food. But that, that can be a prolonged period of time, right? We've seen in the starvation studies that people can last a, a pretty long time without food intake. That will lead to death sooner than the lack of calories. So if you're only fasting for, you know, two days at a time, probably not the worst thing in the world, probably not the best thing in the world for your muscle right? Does it optimize muscle metabolism, maintaining, preserving muscle tissue? So if people, you know, do there, obviously people have been doing fasting for, for, for years, whether it's their religious beliefs or cultural beliefs. Um, but the notion that you need to cleanse your system or detox, that's, that's a bit of um, a bit of a myth. <laughs> now, now I'm curious, Kat, because if we're, if you, you know, kind of, you, you mentioned, uh, you know, cleansing and juicing. And now, now I'm starting to think about, you know, what if somebody is trying to incorporate, a, you know, a, a diet plan, which is now, well, you were talking about earlier, where we're looking at what you're eating. And with intermittent fasting, we're talking about when you can eat it. Have you seen uh, anything or have you guided anybody as far as combining the two? Let's say, so if we talked about um, the keto diet, and you're talking about intermittent fasting have you seen or have, have yeah. thoughts on combining the two ideas of, of how you eat when you eat it yeah and people do that all the time you know they want to follow keto but they want to fast too and so time restricted eating right the daily windows or periods of um eating and fasting really you know it makes it easy for them let me just eat within this eight hour window and i can still follow a keto diet or a gluten-free diet or you know a modified you know modified fasting diet or something like that, modified protein diet so it just depends you know everybody can use this you know fasting method along with whatever dietary practices they like but i would say that 
for weight loss or body composition, the keys are to hit your calories and your protein targets to optimize results. Great question, Ken. <laughs> That's from our producer as well. He also agreed with that question. But, uh, you know, Kat, with you talking about all the, the restrictions and, and the different diets and everything and, and the windows of eating, I mean, is this truly something that could be safe for everyone or are there certain, you know, is there a certain part of the population where you're like, you know what, probably not most ideal? Um, yeah. I don't know if you've read about that. Yeah, that's that's a really good question. So so for people who have to manage their blood sugar and have to have, you know, you know, have to track their, you know, blood sugar and and manage that, it's it's probably not going to be the best strategy for them to to not eat, you know, for long periods of time. But again, this is highly individualized. I would work with a practitioner, a licensed practitioner if they're interested in doing that and they have like diabetes or um, some type of disease. And then also with pregnancy, it might not be the greatest, <laughs> right? Pregnancy and breastfeeding, because, you know, with breastfeeding, especially, you know, your appetite is probably the strongest that it's ever going to be in your lifetime because you're, you know, you got to feed another human being. So it's probably not a good idea in that regard. Um, and then if you have some disordered eating or eating disorders, then, you know, that's going to perpetuate it, whether it be anorexia or any type of eating disorder then that might not be the best strategy for you as well. You know, you might want to focus on the big rocks, so to speak, you know, eating healthfully, making better choices, as opposed to restricting when you're eating. I like how you and when, whenever Kat is finished talking, we're just gone. Huh. That's <laughs> it's all really good information. That's why I'm like, oh, never thought about that. I really take too long to answer your guys's questions. I need to figure out how to like shorten my responses. <laughs> well, I ask you like 15 in one. So like, what would you think about that? And you're always like, well, part one is this, part two is that. Um, but really, you know, that's really good information because you know, for me, it's like I don't know. I am not a registered dietitian. I always ask for people to you know, seek, um, you know, expert advice from someone that is a registered dietitian or, you know, someone that this is all they focus on because I don't know the right answers to that. And so I think this to me has been very, very beneficial because I, you know, want to make sure that I'm guiding people in the right direction, but I also don't want to, you know, say that, well, that's a really bad idea <laughs> if yeah. somebody wants to try it on their own, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I, and I appreciate that appreciate that about you guys. You know, we really have respect for each other's and um, expertise and training, et cetera. And I think that's really important in our industry is that we understand as fitness professionals, what we can do. And then we leverage other experts in related fields to get more guidance. You know, that's a really important message, I think. So one last question then, Kat, I mean, if we're talking about um, roles and responsibilities of the allied medical field and, and nutritionists and registered dietitian, then if somebody's thinking about this and they have one or two of those conditions that you talked about, so are they, is that somebody they'd go to their primary care physician and, and get approval yes. first and, and then, or, or do they look for a registered dietitian straight off the bat? If, if let's say I've got diabetes, just as an example, if I've got an issue like you know, with, with blood sugar regulation and, you know, um, I, I need to lose some weight, is, should I just look up my nearest local registered dietitian or should I go to my doctor? Yeah, it's personal preference. If, you're, if you've got a good relationship with your doctor and you've been working with your doctor on managing your blood sugar, then, you know, maybe go to that person, for, that doctor first. And maybe the doctor has a dietitian that you can get additional help with. 
Or, you know, a lot of, of us with a, the way that, you know, medical care is, you don't have a standing relationship with your doctor. And so it might be good to find somebody in your area that you could work with on a regular basis, you know, to sort of identify whether or not this practice would be a suitable choice for you. So Kat, to piggyback off of that, is anything like this covered um, under insurance, especially if they do have some precondition and then they were to go to, let's say you or someone, um, another registered dietitian in their area? Yeah. You would think, you would think if you've got a, if you've got a disease or medical condition, right. And then you go to a dietitian that falls under the umbrella of medical nutrition therapy, right. Cause the dietitian is treating the individual with nutrition. Um, and you would think it would be covered, but unfortunately I have to say, you got to check with your insurance plan because it just depends on your coverage. Right. Always have to check. Always. Always. <laughs> yeah. And I will just say that, you know, probably the biggest benefit or the biggest pro to this method um, for weight loss in particular or for body composition is that it's super simple, right? You don't have to count calories. You don't have to worry about what to eat. You don't necessarily have to change your eating habits. You're simply shortening the window of time that you're eating. And in many cases, and what we see across the research is once again, it leads to a spontaneous decrease in caloric intake around 20 to 25% when people shorten their eating window. And so if I don't have to think about like, if I'm a busy you know, person, I'm on the go constantly, I'm not going to count calories. I don't want to think about what I have to eat. It's just too complicated. My life's a mess. What can I do? Okay, well, let's try this. If your goals want you want to choose body you want to you know change your body composition but you don't want to do anything else <laughs> in terms of changing your food choices or thinking about what you're going to eat then this might be a good thing to try and and fitness professionals can do that you know as long as you're not treating a medical condition or disease they can guide their clients towards what the evidence shows and towards changing their and helping the client change their behaviors to adopt intermittent fasting that is totally fine to do. Great. Well, I have one final question. I know Ken just asked, you know, one, and he's like, this is my last question. So again, I'm gonna ask I have, again, a two-parter, but, you know, this would definitely probably fall within your lap of like, this is what you should do. Number one, what would be the signs that this is not a good idea or that it's not working for you? So what can you look at if you're trying this and you're like, you notice this, this, and this, then stop it. And it's probably not, not for you. And the second part of that is, can there be some kind of supplementation that goes along that works really well with this type of, of diet um, or, you know, lifestyle that you feel would be extremely beneficial? And how do you know if that's right or wrong for you as well? Yeah. Okay. So let's, let's address your fir the first part of your question. Part first. one. <laughs> yeah. So part one, right? So if you have symptoms of low blood sugar, right? Like you can't focus, you get the shakes, you know, your energy is really depleted during that fasting state. You find it difficult to perform your daily tasks. Um, then it's probably not a, not a good idea for you, right? You got to listen to your body. Um, and then if you're not, if your body composition isn't changing over time, right? Like you've tried it for several weeks and your body composition change is not changing. Then we go back to the energy balance principle. That means you're not in a caloric deficit. So what do you do from there? 
you know, then you got to look at, okay, now we got to look at something else. Is it the portion sizes? Is it the food choices? Is it something else? We got to shift gears because this isn't working. Shortening your eating window is not putting you in a calorie deficit based on the fact that your body's not changing. Okay. So that's the answer. Is that answer the first part of your question? Yes. Yes. Okay. Supplements. So as you guys know, I am um, an advocate for making sure that you're getting optimal amounts of all 32 essential nutrients, right? All the 32 vitamins and minerals that our body requires, but doesn't make. And what we know from typical um, diets and typical eating patterns in America is most people fall short on several micronutrients, which sets them up for issues down the road, whether that's a slower metabolism or things like, um, you know, osteoporosis down the road or increased risk of, you know, chronic diseases. So I'm always a fan of let's take a high quality multivitamin mineral. If you're not eating fatty fish because you need omega-3 acids for your brain to control inflammation, to support your immune system, then supplement with that. If you're not getting enough calcium-rich foods and vitamin D-rich foods in your, in your diet, and vitamin D, you should get it primarily from the sun if you can, then you need to look at that as well. Are you getting, because all these are important for the long-term, for our long-term health. And then fourthly, I would look at protein because exercisers require higher amounts of protein. Why? Because there's more tissue turnover, right? Sedentary individuals that work at a desk all day and don't really move their body, that it's not a biggest concern is people who are exercising. So then look at that. What, what is that amount? It's 0.7 to one gram per pound of body weight per day. You want to reach that. If you can't do that through food, then go with a high quality protein and the highest quality protein is whey protein, right? And there are some plant proteins, but just make sure that they have all the essential amino acids in them, particularly enough leucine. I know I'm going to a lot of detail, but I, I'm trying to answer your question. <laughs> this is what we love about you, Kat. Bring it. Feel, fill my mind with all kinds of stuff. Right. Yeah. And then there are a lot of other evidence-based supplements that can support performance or um, muscle metabolism. There's not a lot of them. There's a handful. There's creatine. There's beta creatine monohydrate to be specific. There's beta alanine. There's citrulline. Caffeine is a good one as well. Um, so those are the ones that I would say, you know, if you want to improve performance or support high intensity exercise or increase muscle, um, then those are the ones that would be to consider while you're training. And we should do a taken. whole separate podcast on on that. Right? <laughs> hey, you know what? There we go. But <laughs> yeah. so when you're talking about all this, Kat, is do you take those supplements in your window of eating? Yes. As, because you would break it as soon as you, as soon as you well, start not, taking that, your fast window is open, right? Yeah. Well, not necessarily. You know, like with a multivitamin, there's no there's no calories, so not necessarily. But you do need the digestive enzymes to help facilitate if it's a good multivitamin to help facilitate you know, the breakdown, digestion, absorption of it. So I would, you know, I like the, those supplements to go along with the meal. And it also helps with um, making it a habit, right? Because you eat all the time. So if you pair it with taking your supplements, then you're more less likely to forget to take your supplements. You know, they call that habit stacking. So pairing them together. Well, there you go. I, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's like, I like I mean, it. that makes sense. Here I am. I'm thinking, okay, I can get away with, you know, drinking my water, my black coffee with a little bit of something and taking my, you know, my multivitamin with it. But I, I learned something new with the digestive enzymes actually helping with. So when you eat that, 
I thought the food was just there to kind of slow down the digestive process so you can kind of hang on to the to whatever supplement that you're taking and kind of get more out of it. But I just realized from what you were saying there, Kat, that you need the digestive enzymes to help break it down, period, versus if you just swallowed it on its own. (laughs) Yeah. And if you like most, I don't know if you've from experience, but most people who try to take a multivitamin other supplements on an empty stomach, you know, it's sick. Yeah. 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 So from practical experience, we know that as well, you know, that people are like, I don't know, you probably have an iron stomach, Ken. So it doesn't. I do. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite part of you guys I'll eat it. (laughs) If you guys are just listening and you're not seeing Kat's face when Ken said that, priceless. You should go back Make sure you pull it up on YouTube and watch just this little portion of her face of like, no. <laughs> I don't have a poker face. It's one of my things I need to work on. Like, Kat, like, really? Don't play poker. Okay, I won't. <laughs> well, that just means you got a pure heart, Kat. That's that's what that means. You're not a good liar. Okay, I'll take it. I'll take it. Well, those of you guys that have been uh, listening to Kat Bearfield, Ken Miller, and myself on Random Fit when we were talking about intermittent fasting, I think this has been an unbelievable episode. But Kat, what are your final words of wisdom that you can kind of leave us thinking about whether this is the right thing for us? What would be your your parting words? Yeah, I would say, you know, if you want to lose weight and keep it off, which I'm assuming you're wanting to do, or lose body fat and keep it off. And you really got to take a hard look at, is this something I can sustain for the rest of my life? Is it, can it be a lifestyle for me? Can it be something that's doable on the long term? That's not going to interfere with the things that are important to me, like eating my you know, family dinners or going to social events and eating and, and things like that. So if you can think about it in the lar- in the long, you know, the larger context of your life, then that's the way you want to look at not just fasting, but any particular um, diet, if you will, or nutrition change. Awesome. I'll take it. I'll, uh, again, Wendy knows what kind of a note taker I am here. So (laughs) I know I can call you at any time, but when I, when we do these things together, Kat, and we really appreciate you being on random fit with us again. So thank you for all the gems and all the information that you shared, especially on this, this intermittent fasting information as, as we hear about it, we see it, see it all the time, but are we doing it right? What's it doing? All that. So Thanks again, Kat. And uh, always great having you on our show. We got to have you back again soon. Yay. Thanks, yeah. guys. We'll <laughs> see you soon. All right. So everybody who's uh, listened to us today, thank you so much for your time and as well as letting us know what you want to listen to, which is why we have Kat on here. So until next time, you know, like, follow, subscribe, let us know what you want to hear. And then, you know, we'll be sure to get it on for you here on Random Fit. So until next time, take care and be well. Oh, 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 oh,